0: Just, I just feel like um, as Pierre's going to share. I know, I know. We meant, we were praying before service, and um, I just want to pray, Lord. Um, to, uh, yeah, I think let me just actually pray for us. Yeah, Lord. But as, as Pierre shares this message today, Lord, I want to pray, O oh God, Lord, that there would just be a reverence of you here in this place, Lord. O oh God, Lord, that we would just have, Lord, um, we would just be so aware of your holiness, O oh God. And I want to pray, oh God, Lord, that we would just have humble hearts to receive what you have for us today, oh God. And I want to pray, Lord, for Pierre Lord, that, that, Lord, that you would even just anoint his words. Lord, that this wouldn't be your words, but these um, words, but it would be your words, O oh God. And I pray, Lord, give us ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church today. Yes, I pray for your blessing and grace upon this message. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.
1: The joys of being a preacher. Cool beans, uh, church. It is. It is good to be with you. Uh, some of you know me. Some don't know me yet. Um, nothing special. Just a man that God saved a few years ago. Um. So about three weeks ago, Tony asked me to um, if I would like to share a, a preach. And I love preaching. I love the Word of God. Um. And I said yes. And then I started to pray. And. Uh, I want to say this from the beginning. I'm, I'm not preaching as a man who has mastered. I'm preaching with you today that God would do this in my life, that God would help me. Um, see, we, we live in a world where I feel like the gospel has been so diluted. Uh, I was sharing with, with Leroy. Uh, we just prayed a little bit before the service. I said to him, I was listening to a worship song, a um, very well-known artist and uh, actually such a beautiful song until the preacher started to preach. So there was like this interlude and this gap in the song and the, and the preacher started to, to preach and, and saying, you know, how uh, you know, God is a God of miracles and God is a God of restoration and God is a God of provision. And all these things are true. But the one thing they missed out, God was the God who saved you. God was the God who loved you enough to send his beloved son to die on a cross. But we weren't worshipping that. They weren't worshipping that. They were worshipping what God was going to do. And and let me just start off this message by saying, if you can't worship God for what He's done, you'll never worship Him for what He's going to do. If you can't submit and yield under God for what He has done, there is nothing more precious than His Son. There's nothing else that He can give you that will ever get you to bow your knee. The gospel needs to be true. Gospel needs to be what makes our heart beat for God. Because there's nothing else. There's no other miracle God can add to my life. God has been very gracious to me in my life. I've I've often shared how I was a a backsliding Christian and God sustained me in those seasons and he would show me mercy again. But I realized as soon as I want more from God, instead of living under the reality of what he's done for me, that he would send Jesus my heart starts growing cold. So I want us to look at a few verses today. I want to be honest that it's going to be, I love preaching, this is going to be a hard one. Um, and I say that to say this, may our posture be well. I think it's, it's, it's very easy, guys. I, I, I know enough of the Bible where I know we can play this game and there's these verses that we can grab and, 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 and try and hold on to them, but, 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 but the Bible is full of truth. And we need to hold the one tension with the other tension to be able to walk the narrow line that is truth. As soon as we start weighing too much on the one side or the other side, we start to, to compromise. And I just don't want us to do that today. I want us to be able to walk. Walk worthy. That's what the Bible calls us to. Walk worthy on the manner in which God called you. So with that being said, we can turn to the book of Mark if you have your Bibles with you. We're going to go Mark Chapter 10, and we're going to pick it up from verse 17. Just to give you a little bit of background, uh, what happened here is Jesus uh, was moving, uh, he, he was uh, going to Judea, past the, the river Jordan, uh, and there was a multitude that came to him, and he started to teach them. And you can go and read what he, what he taught them. Uh, but then this happened, so I'm going to pick it up from verse 17. It says, and as he was setting out on his journey, this is Jesus, as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him. Sounds like a very good response. And asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God, God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he, said to, and he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. This is a very weird interaction. This is just a very weird interaction. So what I believe probably happened is Jesus was teaching in this crowd. And this man was probably standing a bit far off. That's why he had to run. He didn't just stand up. He had to run to get to Jesus. And he comes to Jesus and he kneels. And it sounds like such a beautiful response. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, good teacher. What do I need to do to have eternal life? And Jesus responds in such a weird, harsh manner. He says, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? There's one that is good and that is God. And and let me just say this. I don't believe what Jesus is saying as Jesus, as God personified in the flesh that he wasn't good. What he's actually challenging this man on is his perception of what is good. See, Jesus goes and he says, there's only one that is good. And then he gives this list of commands. And we'll look at the, the man's response. Teacher, I have kept all of this from my youth. What he's actually saying, when he asks Jesus, Lord, how do I get eternal life? He's not asking God, how do I get eternal life? Lord, I deserve eternal life. I'm already good, God. Just as you are good, I am good, God. How do I have eternal life? Jesus says, no, 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 no. Your perception of what is good is wrong. And let me, let me say it like this, guys, one, one thing we need to know, all of us, all of us have a perception of good and evil. See, when, when, when man fell, when, when sin entered in, the tree that we ate from was the knowledge of, true, of, of, the, of good and evil. You can go to the most pagan person. If I tell you a story and I say there's a 17-year-old big gym guy and he punches a three-year-old kid in the face, is that good or evil? It's evil. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, whether you're the most pagan person, you will look at that scenario and you will say, that's not right. That's not good. And what I realized is we live in a society, in a world that is challenging morality, that is challenging good, that is saying, listen, guys, what is actually good is tolerance. What is good is what is ever, what is fine for you is is fine for you, and what is fine for me is fine for me. And it's wrong. Because God doesn't require good requires perfection. It requires perfection. Be ye perfect. As your father in heaven is perfect. And this puts us in a very awkward situation. Because how many of you are perfect? We fall vastly short. We fall vastly short. So this man goes and Jesus gives him this harsh response. And I want you to look at verse 21. This is where I have to start doing some deconstruction. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. You need to understand that. Jesus looks at this man. He has has some issues in his life. He has a sense of morality. But he's not perfect. But it doesn't exclude God from loving him. Jesus loves him. But what does Jesus do next? Jesus said to him, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you will have a treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. This is not the gospel that is preached these days. The gospel that's preached these days is because Jesus loves you so much you can do whatever you want. Jesus loves you so much that when you blaspheme in His name, when you don't keep His commandments, when you fall short, Jesus responds, "Oh well, I love you so much. Just get in here." We. This is not Jesus' response to this man. The Bible's clear that he loves this man. But he says to this man, need one more thing. Go and sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. How many of you know that that's not a commandment under the law? It's not there. There's no commandment like that. But there's one very important commandment that this links to You shall love the Lord your God all your mind all your strength and all your heart this is what was lacking in this man's life Jesus knew it and he calls him he calls him out on it he says son there's something broken in your heart and, and, and what is broken in your heart what I need you to do is go and sell these things that you think give you life go sell these things that you think gives you meaning go sell these things give it to the poor it's better for you not to have this and come and follow me It's a massive command. See, the one thing that I've been wrestling with this week, radical love calls for radical obedience. There's no other, I love, uh, I do not know that Nardos was going to share this, but this is what Christians should be marked by. Because we understand the radical love of God, because we live in the view of the radical love of God, our only reasonable response is radical obedience. It's radical obedience. But unfortunately the message that gets preached these days is no. All you need is radical love from Jesus and you can do whatever you want. It's just not the truth. It's really not the truth, guys. We need to get back to that place where Jesus is Lord. We need to get back to that place where the commandments of God is something that we uphold and and we live after. I love the meditation of David. David said he meditated on the law of God day and night. It gave him the aspect of God's holiness and his righteousness and of who God is. And he delighted in it. But in us today, we, we don't like that. See, Jesus calls him to follow him. He doesn't call him to lead Jesus where he wants him to be applied. That's what I just see and hear over and over on, on, on Christian networks. and It's this weird thing. We're broken. Jesus is willing to, to save us, but it will cost you everything. It will cost you everything. The gospel is this great demonstration of God's love. And he says, if you want this, give me your life. If anyone should come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow. The gospel is not cheap. The gospel is not cheap. The gospel is this real message from God that says, I love a broken world. I'll send my son. And as he lays down his life, they need to lay down their lives to come in service to me. That's the message. That's the truth that God calls us to. That is the thing that we are supposed to live by. But we don't want to preach it these days. And what's scary for me is, I mean, if you would go and ask this young man, this young ruler, uh, does he believe? I mean, I really believe that when Jesus was pointing out these commandments, he was, these were commandments that he keeps. Jesus never calls him out on the commandments and says, hey, listen, you're lying. You're actually not honoring your father and your mother. So said, no, 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 you're lacking this one thing. It's the most important thing. And I realized even in my own Christian walk, it's very easy for us to get to that place where we set the bar either so low that anybody can pass it. We set it so high that we say it is unobtainable. So why even try? Why even try? And for him, he did these Christian things without being a Christian. He had a level of morality, a level of rules, things that he could mark off and say, I do this, I don't do this, I'm a good person. But he didn't have Jesus. It was all in vain. It was for nothing. It meant nothing. And Jesus comes to him and says, I want to set you free of that. Again, out of a place of love. Out of a place of love. I love you. Change. That's the message of the gospel. I'll never forget how I got saved. Uh, I went to a men's camp, which is always a beating. They basically just yell at us and tell us what we don't do right. And I had a lot that I wasn't doing right. Right. Although I said I was a believer. And I remember sitting there and, and hearing that there's, there's a real animosity between me and God. There was things that God said he hated. And I found myself in that position that I was doing the things God hated. And I remember the call. Son, I love you. Repent. I love you. Repent. Come to me. And by the grace of God, I responded and I repented. And I remember starting to read the Bible. I never knew the Bible, to be honest, like really. Very, very dumb when it comes to the Bible. I remember reading the Bible and there were so many times that I would read the scripture and I would close that book and I would say, Lord, this sounds like loss. Lord, it sounds like loss. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you lay down your life. Like, yes, Lord, I... I have to lay down my life for other people. It's not in my nature. I love myself. I love nice things. But it was sitting under those things that I had to make a decision. Was Jesus worthy of my life or not? Because it was either going to be everything for Jesus or nothing. That is the truth. It's either everything or nothing with God. He loves you enough. He loves you enough that he says, listen, your son... Daughter, come to me. Give me everything. Give me everything. Or give me nothing. It's your choice. By the grace of God, I gave him everything. And then I've stumbled in and out of seasons giving him everything. But my posture will always be with everything. I remember this morning as I was just prepping and praying. At one stage I literally just laid on the ground and I said, Lord, I owe you everything. Oh, you everything. I am amazed sometimes to stand and to think what my life would be if God didn't interject in my life. My trajectory was one way. I would either die or end up in prison. It was just a worldly, worldly man. But I tasted and I saw that God was good. And I fell in love with Jesus. And I yielded my life to Jesus. And now I'm following Jesus. Not perfectly. But I never want to lose the ideal. I never want to get to that place where I justify living in a place of sin or justify being mediocre when it comes to, to, to the love of, that I have for God. I shared this a few months ago. I was driving and uh, just listening to worship because I'm holy. Just joking. Relax. I remember God speaking to my heart. saying, son, I want you to love me. I remember thinking like, Lord, I, I'm almost, I, I almost live at the church. God, I try and do everything that I can. And I just felt in that moment how God was like, but son, it became duty for you. You're so focused on, on, on you have to love these people and you have a responsibility towards them. We're, no, where, where's my love, son? Where's my adoration? That's why it's the first command. That's everything we should do. We should be out of this place of God, I love you. How many of times have you cried out in the last three, four months, God, I love you? We sing it in worship songs. And what is scary for me is we sing it out of worship songs in a place of, God, I love you because you are going to do this. God, I love you because, oh, you're going to be the God of my breakthrough. Oh, God, you're going to be the one that breaks down the mountains. Oh, God, you're going to be the one that delivers me from evil. It should be, God, I love you because you are pure and you are good. Lord, I deserved hell and you sent your son to die on a cross for me. I am a shameful, broken man, God, but you came and you saved me. That's the place we should live from. That's the place God desires. And that's what God desires from this young this young ruler. He says, "I don't care about you keeping the commandments, son. I want you to love me." And the thing standing in the way of that love is that you love money more. And you can replace that money with anything. Relaxation, comfort, your work, your marriage, your children. that one of the greatest gifts God ever gave me is my wife. Because when we got married, it was our marriage is for Him. It wasn't for us. She could have done much better, you can tell. It's the greatest gift to have somebody alongside me where our marriage isn't, hey, are you keeping me happy? It is, are we reflecting Jesus to a broken world? If people look at our marriage, do they see grace? Do they see love? Do they see mercy? When somebody is is sick or somebody needs help, it's not, hey, how will this benefit us? Or, hey, can we financially? It's just like, hey, this is for the kingdom. Let's do it. Let's sacrifice. It's on us. It's not our comfort. I'm grateful for that. To have somebody that's willing to lay down their lives to each other for his glory. That's what God calls us to. So Jesus loves this man and he says he lacks this one thing. And I remember, uh, I think it was Marvin that taught a few months ago. And I think this is what we need to be careful of. This commandment list. Because like I just shared with you, I, I was really if I say I, I, I live for the church, I really love this church. Love the people of this church. When I look at the church, I also see God redeeming me. It's a man that, that was in ministry and stepped out of ministry and I thought I was never going to minister again. So every time I step here and I stand in this pulpit, I'm like, God, you did it. You restored me. You redeemed me. So I love the church. But We need to be so careful that we become the type of Christians that know exactly when to lift up our hands, when to how we should worship, how we should read the Bible, how we should pray. But actually, there's no love of God. Book of Revelations, chapter 2. The church of Ephesus is one of the scariest churches ever for me. This was a church that was found by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle John would minister there for a time period, actually be like the shepherd, the pastor at that church. So they were founded on good ground. They were founded by solid men of God. And Jesus in the book of Revelations, this is Jesus, writes this to them. I know your works. Listen to some of their works. Guys, if you ever ask me, you can pastor a church and they read this to me. I'm like, sign me up for that church. That's a healthy church. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. These guys love good. They hate sin. Jesus says that to love me is to hate evil. They get it right. Check one. And I've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. These guys know theology. They know doctrine. They're able to look at people and when they come with this false sense of doctrine. They're like, uh-uh, no, no, no. You're trying to change the gospel. We reject you. These are mature people in the word of God. Sign me up. I know that you are enduring patiently, bearing up for my name's sake. And do not grow weary. These guys can face persecution. If you know the history of the church of Ephesus, they came so radical to conversion that there was no way to make money. Because most of their income was through witchcraft and sorcery and stuff like that. So when the gospel started to spread, so many people got saved that they didn't know how to make money anymore. Because they weren't trained in anything else. Solid church. And then Jesus says the following. But I have this against you. That you have abandoned your love that you first had. Church that is doing so well. And Jesus looks at them and says. Lost your love. Lost your love. I wonder how many of us. This has become second nature. Your life just plays out in church. Church. It's wrong, guys? I said this to Claudette the other day. We were talking. Uh, she shared how much she hated our church, which is good. I love honesty. <laughs> you said you hated being here. True or not? And they came, they went to a youth camp. So I said to Claudette, I said, "Okay, Claudette, so what changed? The church didn't change. It's still same leadership." Her circumstances didn't change. She didn't all of a sudden when she came back, she got this phone call. Hey, you're actually now a billionaire. Says to Claudette, you know what changed? When you guys were at that youth camp, you fell in love with Jesus again. The presence of God was so overwhelming that irrespective of what was happening here, there was, Lord, we just love you. And that's why you're back. And I actually like being here to a certain degree. fell in love with Jesus again. Fall in love with Jesus again. Let me say this: I've been walking this road for almost fourteen years now. Which, for some of you, like that's like dude, that's nothing. For some of you, it's like, oh, yes, it's long. Oftentimes, I have to fall back in love with Jesus. This becomes duty. This is where my life plays out. This is where I need to be. I have position in this church. I have responsibility in this church, which I do not take lightly. Every now and again, I just have to take that step back and say, Lord. Help me to love you. Lord, help me to love you. Help me, Lord, to fall in love with you again. It's as good as I I have a beautiful wife. It's as good as me making her breakfast, which never happens. Confession time. Taking it to her and she says, thank you for the breakfast. And my response is, well, I better. Better do this. I'm your husband. So, caught me. So, here you go. It would be broken. But how many of us take that with our relationship with God? Lord, God calls you to command, God calls you to give, God calls you to lay down your lives and say, oh, I better do this because I really don't want to go to hell. Not what God is after. God is after that you view him and you love him so much. that You're like, Lord, I get to do this? Listen to Nardos' ridiculous testimony. She has no more money. And God says, oh, I want you to give. I want you to give without guarantee, without a prophetic word that if she gives, God will do this. Says, Nardos, I'm testing your heart. Testing your heart. Do you love me? Do you love me more than money? Do you love me more than the comfort you have now? Then having that money, knowing where it's going. And that money wasn't for to buy Louis Vuitton, is that nice shoes? I think so. It's very expensive, so hopefully it's nice. It wasn't for luxury. It was to study. It's a healthy cause. It's a good cause. But in comparison to God, it means nothing. God says, "Open your hand, Nardos," and she does. I've said I've walked away from many relationships because I've loved God more. Always crazy for me when people marry unbelievers, thinking that it's going to bring them more freedom or more love or more. You're forsaking the one that loves you the most. You're going to sign up for a life of struggle with somebody that doesn't believe what you believe. It's not going to end well for you. Sign up for Jesus. If Jesus says, no, I'll never forget. There was, you can ask my wife, like when I was young, I was quite a good looking guy. And I was involved in youth ministry. And youth ministry is just another name for a dating club, to be very honest. Not always, not always. Marvin's like, how dare you? <laughs> Our youth ministry. <laughs> it's in my previous church. I remember walking in there, there was, was girls that, that asked me, you know, would I date them and, and all that sort of stuff. And they were in church. <laughs> and uh, I remember how many times God just said no. And I was lonely. But I wasn't willing to lose Jesus for a girl. It just didn't make sense to me. So it would be, I go that night, I'm like, Lord, I really like it. No, thank you, Lord. Uh, No, I'm busy Friday. Thank you. I'm praying for Jesus to save you. Um, (laughs) He hasn't hasn't left. He has not ever gotten me to a place where he didn't give me a good thing. And sometimes the best thing he gave me was by taking something away from me. I've lost so many friends can't even remember. You can ask my wife. She's met some of them. Like Even some of them, when she met them, she was like, "Yuck." I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I was a very broken man. And I would keep ministering the gospel to them. And then there was always this time where they realized I wasn't going to change. I wasn't going to go back. And they would say, bye, Peter. And I would say, that's fine. Let's leave. I'm progressing now. Let me go back. So this is a healthy church. Doing all the right things, but losing the love of God. Make sure, guys. Why are you here? I'm not like, don't answer me now. Like, hey, like, be weird. Do you still have a love for the church? Do you love worship? Is there times where you go into prayer and you feel his presence, where you're like, Lord, this is the sweetest place for me? Because if there is nothing like that happening for months and months, I want to tell you, you're in danger. You're losing your passion for God. You're losing your love for God. You can ask, Robin is a worshipper. I wish I was a worshipper. Because there's something of worshipping God. There's something of coming into the presence of God and just adoring Him. That I love so much, but I can't sing to save my life. But I love those moments. I love just sitting on worship. When I drive, That I think people get freaked out by me sometimes. Because I'll drive, I'm on my way to a client, and I'll put up worship, and I'll get so emotional, I'm crying, and I'm like, Lord, you're so beautiful, I love you, Lord. Then I stop at the client, and I'm like, is everything fine here? (laughs) Looks good. Don't want to lose that. Let me be honest, there's seasons in my life where I lost that. Seasons in my life where I thought it was okay. Lord, at least I'm not cheating on my wife. At least I'm still giving. Lord, at least I'm at church. It's not good enough, guys what God is after. He's after our hearts. He wants our hearts to be healed to Him. Lord, I love you. Look at verse 22. This is back at Mark 10. This is this man's response. So this is the man that Jesus loves. In the love that Jesus has for this man, He gives him a commandment. This is the response. Disheartened by this saying, he went away sorrowful and he had great, because he had great possession. He leaves Jesus. And Jesus allows it. This is the scary thing for me. So we, we say easy when we read the Bible. Jesus leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. The one was before him and he said, Lord, give me eternal life. And Jesus confronts him with his heart and he says, Do this. If you want eternal life, if you want me, give up everything now. And he says no, and Jesus leaves him to leave. Jesus leaves him to leave. Sometimes, guys, there's truths in the gospel that is so hard. And it should provoke reverence in us. It should provoke that, Lord, I don't want to play a game with you. When Jesus asks for everything, I want to say, yes, Lord, yes, everything. Because I don't know if there's going to be a second chance. I'll never forget when I was busy backsliding, I once listened to a sermon from a pastor, and he said, There's nothing worse than a backslider. And I was so offended in that moment. Because if you only knew my story, I have every right to be backsliding. I have every right to be angry with God. Was the best message you could have ever said to me. I said this, I prayed to God once while I was in my state of backsliding, and I said, Lord, give me a scripture. The scripture he gave me is, because you keep on backsliding, I will destroy you. Because I knew what game I was playing with God. Playing this emotional game with God, whenever a life is tough and things are hard, now, Jesus, I want you, I want you to tell me how beautiful I am and how much you love me and how much you care for me. And I did that for a few months. Something bad happened again, so I went to Jesus. This is me drinking and like doing a lot of stupid stuff, guys. When I said I'm backsliding, I literally said, I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm willing to fight any Christian and let's see if God protects them. That's how arrogant I was. And that night I go before God. I'm like, Lord, give me a scripture. And God in his great love for me says, son, because you keep on backsliding, I will destroy you. Because you're living outside of my presence. And the worst thing I can tell you now is that It's safe. It's not safe, son. This leads to death. Repent. And it took me another year to repent because I'm stubborn. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful because he had great position. Kept his stuff and he lost Jesus. What are you keeping? Hot sight is your hand around Jesus. Because like I promise you now, guys, we, we're living in an age where Christianity will become more and more challenged. See, it was very cool to be a Christian 20 years ago. Well, 15 years ago. Everybody was Christians. It's Not the norm these days. There's things that we believe. There's things that God commands us that is busy being challenged by the world where they say, how can we view this like this? If we really have loved, we can't say this. We can't do this. We can't. But this is things that God commands. And if we don't hold on to Jesus, When it's your day, not if it's your day, when it's your day, you'll bow your knee to this world. You'll bow your knee to this world. Verse 23. And then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Just on that note, uh, this week I was traveling to the Eastern Cape, and uh, I was driving from George to Quiberga. I can't say it with the whatever but i was driving to that (laughs) i remember driving and and it's this weird small little kind of road which is weird um and there was these isolated houses and as i was driving and i was looking to these houses i could see that these are houses that people still stay and they live in there And i felt god say to me son to these people you are wealthy I don't, I don't have great wealth. The, the owner that I work for, he has greater wealth. He has seven airplanes. That for me is wealthy. You've got, if you have seven airplanes, you've made it. I don't have seven. I don't even have one. But I think it's so easy when we read this scripture. I've often heard this scripture when it comes to giving and whatever people would use this story. But I want to tell you now that this story applies to us because there's somebody that will give everything to have what you have now. There's to somebody standing outside, looking to your life, thinking, If only I had that car, or only a car, if only I had a safe place to sleep at at night. We are wealthy. To somebody out there, we are wealthy. So it applies to us. And I'll see, look at the disciples' response. These are disciples that left everything to follow Jesus. Look at their response. And And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them, Children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. They were exceedingly astonished. Then who can be saved? See, they impersonalized it. They made it their own. They're like, Lord, if he's not safe, are we safe, Lord? If they're not safe, are we safe, Lord? Applies to all of us. Jesus looked to him and said, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. This is probably the scripture that you use whenever you need a breakthrough. Or needed a wife. Or a car. Or a house. Then we love this scripture. What is impossible to man is possible with God. Where Jesus linked it directly to obedience. He says, in your fallen state, I know that you, 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 it is not our default position to be obedient to God. But what is impossible for man is possible with God. It's a prayer I pray the most. Lord, help me to be obedient. Because everything in my nature, in my flesh, I love the, 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 the confession of Paul. He says he beats his flesh into submission. It's not always easy. But stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Don't give up. The Bible will tell us that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead, that conquered sin and death is now at work in us. It's possible. Lord, help me. These deviances, these sins in my life. God, I don't want them. I'm not going to use your love as this blanket that I am safe. This sin will destroy me. Lord, I need your strength. Deliver me. Save me, God. Let me live a life of obedience. And this is great news for us, guys. See, one of the things that this young man did wrong was he thought he was good enough. But Jesus wanted to show him, no, you need God. The, the, The Bible says this. That God is the author and the finisher of our faith. He owns our salvation. A lot of you will know the scripture that says, uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does the next verse say? For it's God that works in us to do and to will as he pleases. This is, you can't do this alone. We are so dependent on God. And that's what Jesus was provoking in this man when he came to God. And he's like, Lord, I just want eternal life. He says, no, you need me. And you don't just need me to get eternal life. You need to walk with me into eternal life. And it calls him to something so serious. And, and I believe the heart of Jesus was, he wanted to provoke him to a place where this man would say, Lord, help me. I don't know how to sell all these possessions. 23, 24, however old he is. It took me a lifetime to get this stuff. God, you're asking me to give it up. Help me. Help me, Lord. But instead of asking for help, this says, Jesus, in comparison to what you are and who you are, will keep the positions, And he walks away. With man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. It's not just for your miracle, not just for your breakthrough, it's for your obedience. Lord, I want to be obedient. I need your help. can and do it on my own. Peter began to say, this is verse 28, Peter began to say to him, see we have left everything and followed you. They really did. See, we've cheapened the gospel so much that it's this message of Jesus loves you and he dies upon the cross and all you have to do is say a sinner's prayer and you're saved. No. It's not the truth. You need to accept him as Lord. Lord. And if he's Lord, guess what? You become the servant. You become the slave. You give everything. He owns you. Very unpopular. This is what the disciples did, and this is still the call for Christianity. Jesus himself teaches this. If anyone should come after me, let him deny himself. Pick up a cross. That's That's not a nice thing to pick up. The cross is literally an instrument of death. Jesus says, you want me? Pick that up. Let's start walking. Truly I say to you that there is, okay, Peter we go and said to him, see we have left everything to follow to you. Then Jesus says this, truly I say to you that there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or land for my sake. And for the gospel. Before we go further, what Jesus says, listen everything that has to be sacrificed. Listen to everything that has to be sacrificed. Brother, sister, mother, father, land, possessions. That's what Jesus calls us to. Is he more precious than anything else? And it's unpopular. Jesus himself said, "If, you, if you, whoever loves mother or father more than me is not worthy to be called my disciple. Good catch, Leroy. Price is still the same, guys. We do not have a 2023 version of the gospel. You were bought at an extremely, extremely high price. It required blood. It requires suffering. And our only response is, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to lay down my life. You add the value. Jesus said, Truly I say to you that there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my name's sake and for the gospel. My name's sake and the gospel. Who will not receive hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers children's and land with persecution and in the age come eternal life and many who are uh, who are at first will be lost and you who shall will be lost shall be first Guys, this is a it's one of those scriptures where you read it and it's so easy to say it is for the wealthy it's for those who have a lot of possession that it warns us of having too much possessions or loving possessions or if you're very prosperity gospel, you're going to look at just the end part and say, oh, well, Jesus said, whatever I give up, will I not receive it a hundredfold? So now I should have a hundred wives and a hundred houses. It's not what the scripture says. It's Jesus encountering a man who he loves and he calls him to commandment. He calls him to lay down his life. He calls him and he says to him, son, you, there's certain commandments that you keep that are nice and easy for you but your heart is far away from me. And I want your heart to be close to me because I love you. And he calls him at a price. This is not the only man that experienced this. Jesus had disciples. It grew to the 77 and it grew even more than that. And Jesus does a very profound teaching where he says, whoever drinks, does not drink of my blood and eat of my flesh has no part in me. Sounds like a cult scary. For us looking in it's easy now to say no we understand what he means but for them it was hard. And it says the disciples left him and he turned to the twelve and he asked Peter and he says to them, will you also leave me? He says, Father how can we leave you? You have you have eternal life. We have nowhere else to go. That's what we have in Jesus. Jesus is most beautiful. There is nobody that will pay your price. I said this to you I think I was speaking to patients the other day. One thing I realized as a Christian is there was nobody else that was going to show up and pay my debt. There was just nobody. And even if I had somebody that said they would, they didn't have the means to pay my debt because it required perfection. And I was thinking of, we, we make this idea where we think Satan wants us, that he sees our worth. He doesn't. He wants you because of the worth that God sees in. The only reason he wants you is because you're precious to God. That's why he wants to destroy you. It's not when he looks at you and thinks, oh, you're amazing. No, probably thinks you're not that good. <laughs> and he's probably right. But because you're so precious to God, he wants to destroy you. Jesus loves us. Jesus knows how life is supposed to work. He designed it. So when he calls us to lay down our lives, he's like, follow me, I know. I know the answers. I know, Jesus said, I came to bring life and life more abundantly. He knows how to get life out of something that is dead. But it requires us to lay down. We were praying before, I, I prayed this, I said, Lord, may we be a people that love you. I never want to be known as a man that preaches or a man that, praise or uh, elder in this church or whatever it doesn't mean anything may my life be marked as a man that loves God man that loves God and because I love God there's things I do Jesus said if you love me you will keep my commandments what commandments is Jesus putting on your heart what is Jesus calling you to if there's no change guys you're in trouble You're in trouble. We always sing that song, or we'll say this. It is impossible for us to encounter Jesus without changing. And that's a true statement. Because otherwise, you're not walking with Jesus. Jesus requires change. Jesus will not let you stay the same. He requires you to change. Otherwise, it's you walking away. He still loves your walking away. It's Exactly what this man did. And my hope and my prayer is that eventually he came to his senses. We don't know. But we are required to change. If you want to follow Jesus, it will cost you everything. It will cost you everything. And it's not if you're going to serve him, he's going to make you wealthy. I don't know, he might, he might not. Not if you follow him, you will never be sick. Not in that you follow him, you will have no persecutions. You will just have the best friends and the easiest life. That's not the gospel. If you follow him, you'll get him. And he's enough. He's enough. Does that make sense? We have five minutes. Let me pray for and then I'll give back to you, to Leroy. Close your eyes. Father, I want to pray for your church. So I pray for myself, God. Lord, you call us into a life of obedience. Lord, your, your heart's desire for us is to love you. Lord, and it's so easy for us, God, to to do certain Christian things that we know are, are lined up with Christianity. We give money, we we worship, we, we pray, God, but our hearts are far from you. Father, my prayer is, God, would you restore our love for you. God, I pray as, as David would pray in Psalm 51, restore the joy of our salvation, Lord. Take us back to that place where we, have, where we fell in love with you the first time, where we saw the price that you paid, how you nailed my sin on that cross, God. Lord, help us to fall back in love with you, God. Lord, and I pray for those, Lord, Lord, I, I do not want to bring any condemnation. But Lord, I pray, God, that there would be a seriousness in re-evaluating our lives and why we do what we do. It's not good enough, God, that we just keep the commandments for the sake of keeping the commandments. It's not good enough, God, that we can speak Christian knees and we can say certain things. No, God, He desires to love you. And our only reasonable response, Lord, is a glad submission of laying down our life. Lord, would you help us? Would you help us, Lord, as your word says, by the authority of your word, what is impossible to man is possible with God? Lord, I pray for all of us, God, maybe even in areas of our lives where we are struggling. God, would you come and bring breakthrough? Would you come and deliver us? May we share testimony of I was stuck in this. I couldn't, I didn't think I was able to conquer it. But Christ came and he delivered me. Lord, would you come and set your people free? So, your beautiful name, I pray. Amen.
0: I was sitting and listening and i was i was just thinking about the guy's response and there's oftentimes in my walk with the lord that that god had been challenging me on on stuff like that and i often think you know with if there's any area that i've been challenged the most in is the area of your first love and losing that and i remember a while ago um, God had reminded me through a picture. I had this picture with Zinedine sitting on my back while I was reading the Bible. And at the time, I lived in a separate entrance with my mom, um, at my mom's place. And it was a quite a small space. And I always told myself, like, you know, when I get my own place, I'm, I'm going to have this room. And I'm going to turn that into, that's going to be my prayer room, you know. And this picture reminded me that Zinedine had found me spending so much time with the Lord. Because I really loved spending time with God. And God had challenged me on that. And it's like, the thing about loving Jesus is it's going to cost you a lot of things. And oftentimes we can accumulate wealth, and we can accumulate, um, not saying that I'm wealthy, accumulate things, and then all of a sudden your attention starts to go to those things. And that starts to become the problem in our lives. But the thing is, what is our response when God is challenging us in that? Because we can be like this man. We can go away sad, and we can kind of just backslide or walk away from Jesus. Or we can respond like someone like David, like, Lord, help me. And I've often found myself in my quiet time in tears, like, Lord, help me. And I want to ask you today, church, like if this message has challenged you, if if this is an area that God has has been challenging you in, would you respond to the Lord? I even want to ask you to be bold today. If if this is you, Stand up. I think there's something about God asking us to come. You know, would you come? If He's calling, if He's challenging you, would you respond in that? So I'll I want to put that call out. If that is you, would you stand up? And we can pray for you. Yeah. Sure. You come to the front and maybe some of the leaders you can... And if you're a leader, it doesn't matter. We can... We can pray together. I don't want us to say, no, I pray for you and you pray for me. It's like, let's pray together. I feel like it's, it's like something God's challenged me on so much. It's like, are you growing cold, Leroy? Are you growing cold? Are you still on fire for me as you were once upon a time? And yeah, I just, I just feel like, like, like I know I'm, I, I, we desperately need God. Like something, um, God had also like really been ministering to me about this lady with the issue of the blood. And, and I've been, I was rem- thinking about her, I was like, Yo, she played for 12 years. She must have been so weak. How did she press through that crowd? A crowd that was so bad that Jesus was strong on every side. And the Lord reminded me that the only thing our strength is good for is getting to Him. Come to Jesus and I want to tell you today, come to Jesus. If you need help with your first love and and your passion and your desire for Jesus, step forward. Bring yourself to Jesus. Drag your flesh to Jesus. Bring your flesh under submission to Jesus. Like Pierre was saying, beat your flesh up if you have to. Mortify your members that's in the flesh. Yeah, Robin, if you want to play, and I think we can, I want to just maybe pray for us, and, and I think... Let the body minister to the body. We need each other. None of us are perfect. We struggle. And so be bold, guys. Come come to the front and let's let's pray. Lord, (sighs) oh God, there's one thing I never want to lose, Lord, is my love for you, Lord. Oh Lord, nothing in this life matters as much as loving you, Lord. Oh God, you have done so much for me, Lord. And Lord, the fact that you would remind us over and over again, Lord, and you would nudge us even so gently to remind us that you love us and that you've given everything for us. And Lord, you want us to give everything for you. And Lord, just even as this challenge has been put out to us today, what price are you willing to pay for that? What are you willing to give up? And Lord, we want to give our lives up, Lord. Lord, no matter what it costs, Lord, we want to be a church that that has a passion for you, Lord. We want to burn with fire for you, Lord. We don't want to look like a healthy church, but then we're dying on the inside, Lord. Oh, God, come and help us, Lord. Oh, Lord, we need you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we need you, oh, God. Lord, we can never portray perfection, Lord, but then yet inside we are struggling. Oh, God, come, Lord. Lord, help your church today, Lord. Lord, would you minister to us, Lord, even those that are standing, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for even their boldness to stand up and say, Lord, me, I, I need you. This is an area I need you in, Lord. Oh God, even for those that are sitting, Lord, if there's anybody sitting and they saying, Lord, I need you, Lord, would you minister to them? Lord, I pray that no one would feel condemned here today, Lord. Lord, that not one would feel condemned. Yes, you are holy and Lord, you will not tolerate us walking in complacency. But Lord, I'm also reminded of your love, Lord. That you love us, Lord. And that you are willing to come alongside of us. And that you are willing to pick us up by our, feet, by our hands, Lord. I'm even just reminded of the sheep that, that ends up on their back, Lord. And, that, and it's called um, a, a position of casting. And the thing about this is, is that sheep remains on its back it will die. But the thing about it is the shepherd comes alongside that sheep and he lifts that sheep up gently and he establishes that sheep's feet and and then the blood flow comes back into that sheep's legs and he he, he gently nudges that sheep and that sheep goes in their walk again. And Lord, I'm reminded, Lord, that we need you to establish our ways. Sometimes we can feel like a sheep that's laying on its back. We can feel like a sheep that's lost its way. But Lord, I'm reminded that you are the good shepherd that goes after that one that's lost. And Lord, I want to pray today. Lord, ignite your church, Lord. Lord, burn a fire in our bellies, Lord, today, oh God. Lord, that we would be willing to put everything aside and follow you, Lord. Lord, if there's anything that holds us from burning for you, Lord, take it away, Lord. Lord, burn that thing, Lord. Oh God, ignite us, Lord. Oh Lord, we need you. We need you, Lord. We're in desperate need of you, Lord. I'm so reminded that the more I come closer to you, the more I realize how much I need you, Lord. Oh, God, let us never forget how desperately we are in need of you. Even our very breaths are dependent on you, oh, God. Oh, Lord, have your way among us, Lord. Define us today, Lord. In Jesus' name, oh, God. Oh, Lord, come, Lord. Amen.